Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes already. This is a Mesh Musings episode where I do a relatively short overview, some might call a few of them rants, on a specific topic related to Data Mesh. I try to put uh, you know my few summary takeaways in the show notes too to make it easy to decide if this will be useful for you. Quick reminder as well to hit the Data Mesh Understanding link in the show notes to easily review listings of past episodes you might have missed, you know, that I've grouped up on different topics to make it easy if you want to do like a deep dive into governance or something like that. Do check out the Data Mesh Understanding offerings as well and the free community introduction and roundtable programs while you're there. Now with that, on to the Mesh Musing. Negotiation as your avenue to success in data mesh. Mesh Musings 12. Okay, so this one is going to sound weird, but negotiation doesn't have to mean combative. In the US, that is typically what the word negotiation has come to mean, at least in a business sense. Maybe we should frame it as collaborative, cohesive negotiation when talking about this in data mesh. If you listen to a number of the user journey or consultants implementation stories from this podcast, what you'll find is the word negotiation comes up a lot, comes up very, very often. Tim Tischler in episode 43 talked about how we need to work towards either fully automated interfaces between teams, typically APIs, or high context conversations as the way to actually exchange information. And this comes into play with negotiation, especially. Abe Gong in episode 65 talks about expectation setting, especially around the project of great expectations. And the first example he uses is consumers using great expectations to set expectations on a data source of what they expect to get from that data source without speaking with the data producer. And that can be a good defense mechanism as a data consumer to make sure you can understand when something is broken upstream because of an upstream change, right? But that still feels like a really tenuous situation. You're only alerted after the changes happen. You only set expectations based on what you can glean from the data as it is or as you see it. So some changes might not be caught. You aren't sure of the quality of the data without checking the the data itself, without doing a lot of work yourself. Not to mention the data producer might have additional valuable data that isn't added to the data set. It might not be in a format you can easily consume, etc. This is kind of how things have been done in the data space for far too long. Implicit understandings where neither party really understands what is happening with the other instead of a proactive collaboration and 
information flow on changes that are coming up that might break the data consumption or even positive data changes of, hey, we're going to have this new thing that that could be helpful for you. We have reaction to changes that have already occurred and a general sense of mistrust. At least in the US, I don't trust my fellow drivers to not do something stupid on the road. And that makes driving far more taxing. I'm not just making sure I'm doing the right things, but but protecting myself from the quote unquote wrong things that others might do. And they might be doing what they think is the exact right thing in their situation, or they may have uh, something that I don't even understand that they're reacting to. So what if we were better able to collaborate around data? Can we develop deep relationships between data producers and data consumers to align on business value and, and what matters? Emily Gorsensky's episode number 72 talks specifically about setting service level agreements and service level objectives. I will give this podcast itself as an example. Very few of the existing consumers actually want me to put out as many episodes as I do. It's actually a, a frequent criticism that people can't keep up. And I tell them, you know, I tell all of you, you don't need to keep up. It's totally fine. This should be if you're if you're see something that's going to be useful to you, please, you know, go after it, but don't feel like you have to li- listen to everything. But my goal here isn't necessarily to be the people that are trying to, to keep up. It's to create this big amount of content for people who are stuck on specific topics. And, you know, that's going to be kind of at the end of the year or mid next year that there's going to be this huge amount of content that when people are stuck, they can jump through and and instead of taking three, four weeks to struggle through it, they can listen to five episodes (laughs) and get there, right? And to get there, you need a lot of content. There are 50 places in Data Mesh one could get stuck. So I'm going to be doing a lot of episodes for quite a while. If I were to talk to each of my listeners, what do you think would be the feedback? I generally only get people proactively reaching out, and it's, it's a few positive words. But I think this is a bit of the nature of a podcast. Should it be how we handle data? Just create what we think will be useful and toss it out? If you listen to so many of the guests on this show, that's a very hard no. I think Lorenzo Nicora laid out a lot of what kinds of initial use cases you should look at for your first data products in episode 47. Finding that first user is key. Build to what they need and also build for reuse. Sarita Baxt in her episode number 52 talked about this a lot as well of we can't just keep throwing things out there and hoping they stick. We need to create better feedback mechanisms and communication mechanisms and really figure out what what matters. So what's my big point here? It's that we need to stop making those assumptions. I'm going to give another example. I'm trying to move to Europe, and the team made some assumptions about what I would be happy with and what I wouldn't. It potentially pushed out my visa by two to three months. If they had gotten me in a room and told me, I know you wanted X, but that means we have these four hoops to jump through. I would have said, oh yeah, X isn't that important. That's stupid. We have to jump through those hoops. Let's move forward and not do that. Daniel Engberg in episode 60 talked about how much help 
it is to have someone from the data team embedded in functional teams to help them highlight and make an informed decision on the expensive and whether that expensive is time, money, compute, risk, et cetera, but not major value add bits. It means that that you can jump to a negotiation and say, hey, I know you, you said you want this, but here's the incremental cost of doing that. Do you really want that? What's the value add from that? So start by thinking every decision should be made with more context and more context as to who it's going to impact. Get in the habit of saying, here's what we are looking for, but let's discuss if you're the data consumer or if you're the data producer, here's what we plan to provide. Let's make sure it's what you want and and where the value really lies. Emily Gorsensky, again, episode 72, talks about setting service level objectives at a pretty granular level around data products. You can really drive towards what a consuming team sees as the business value drivers. Don't need real time? Don't do real time. You might have thought when they said real time, they meant measured in milliseconds, but they meant it needs to it needs to land within 10 minutes of it happening. There's massively different decisions there. Like actually go in and and have the conversations and start it as a negotiation and not a contentious negotiation. But what what are you actually trying to achieve here? What is the value here? And how can we really get there? So what am I saying to do? I will end on a quote from Danilo Sato at the close of episode 28. Just get people to talk to each other. Hopefully that was a useful mesh musing for you. Please do rate and review the podcast. It really does help. And if you'd like to get in touch and see how I can be helpful to you, check out the show notes. I'm pretty easy to find. As I mentioned, there are some great free programs in addition to some very affordable things around implementer intros and roundtables on the Data Mesh Understanding website. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And with that, now on to the funky outro music.